and welcome back to the latest episode of Gang Rivals. I am your one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and as always, I am joined by my fellow co-host, who is also sitting out this quarantine. It's Sean Templar. How you doing, Sean? Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, I'm okay, you know, dealing with this quarantine, but I'm okay. Healthy for now. Good. Healthy is important. Yeah. Because... You know, just trying to stay safe. That's all we have right now. <laughs> yeah. Being constantly bombarded with stay inside, stay safe, wash your hands, do this. I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. I mean, my life is worth something. I want to <laughs> sit this one out healthy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but even though, you know, the world is kind of in this weird semi, depending on where you live, lockdown or not, um, well, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Um, the world keeps going on somewhat, some way, at least in the world of gaming. Uh, so let's get right into the news. And I just, I, I think we just need to rip the Band-Aid off of this one because um, otherwise it's just going to build up and I'd rather not that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, one of our uh, old buddies, one of our old... Uh, one of our old topics that has come back in the news, kind of, sort of, which is Google Stadia. Oh, God. You want to lead with that? Yeah, I want to lead with that because that is a bandit that's going to be very painful to rip off. So let's just get it okay. over so that... Uh, let's try actually... not to kind of like <laughs> kick a dead horse again, because I think we've literally butchered that horse already. <laughs> so let's try not to we do that. Send that horse to the glue factory. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor horsey. Poor glue. Oh, okay, so Google so. Stadia is now available in, for free in the countries that it was available. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get two months of free Stadia Pro with that, meaning you can try games such as Grid, Destiny 2, and some other indie games I really don't know because I focus like, okay, bam, Destiny. Um, yeah. I, you can try it out on a PC with a Chrome browser, or if you have the controller, you can use some controllers. I haven't tried my PlayStation yeah, or Xbox can, controller. Well, I tried it with my Xbox 360 controller on my MacBook, and that worked fine. Okay. Um, but I'll get into what I mean with fine in quotes. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can use a controller, but if you want to use it on your TV, you need you still need the the Google Stadia Premier um, Edition. Premiere Edition for that because that's the only way apparently you can still buy that which is ridiculous yeah um, I'm gonna be honest you can play it you can play it on your mobile but again you only can on Android controller and specific devices um, and specific Android devices it's not on iOS yet yep um, and the pool of uh, Android devices is pretty small like a handful yeah yeah I don't it's it's funny that like a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this. I don't know if it was since a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days ago. And I constantly kept saying, this is maybe the perfect moment for Google to bring out the free version of Stadia because people can try it out. People are at home, so they'll kind of get the max audience. I don't know if that was the right thing to say because um, internet speed is, of course, being capped to preserve the networks and to make sure that everybody has a good experience. Um, well, they are taking that into account. When you sign up, it actually gives you a notice about that. Yeah. 
that everything is capped. So now instead of streaming in 4K, it's streaming in 1080p. Yeah. But it's still 60 frames per second. Yeah. And the sound is only stereo. Yeah. So. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I tried it for 10 minutes, maybe. I think so. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Let me put it this way. I started up Destiny 2, and I think I got to play Destiny. As far as I remember, I got to play Destiny 1, because it's the Destiny Complete Edition something. So there was Destiny 1 was in there, I think. I don't know, but I, I literally played the first mission of Destiny 1. And I played till the part that you um, get your first ship and you fly to... Uh, first uh, the city uh, the last city of man blah, blah blah it's been a while since i've played in destiny um and after that i stopped mm. and not because i don't like destiny because i've put some time in destiny but simply because and this is i don't this is really difficult because i don't want to bash it but like i don't know if it is the current situation that we're in from an internet connection point of view but <laughs> but what it <laughs> How well the the issue was is because I have played Destiny on my PlayStation Four at the time, um, I could notice like a pretty big difference in quality in, in visual quality. So it looked less pretty, less sharp. Um, some things even looked blurry. Um, I could no I played with a mouse and a keyboard, and I could notice like a. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an input lag, but it's not as smooth as I, if I were to turn around, for example, on the PlayStation. That felt a lot smoother than on the mouse and the keyboard. Um, so that was kind of like a, a bummer because that kind of, yeah, you know, I didn't want to try it after that because of that initial experience. And maybe if I hadn't played Destiny before, I wouldn't have that. But to, to like not constantly go on about the negative, I was impressed about how smooth it works. So like... You just uh, go to the, you log into stadia.com and you pick a game from the list that is available for free games and you say start and it immediately starts up. It's, it's, it's what yeah. they said. There's no patching. There's no install. It's just like one smooth experience. It, it Jumping into a game was like maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds, because it's the first time I'm playing a game. So you have to do some settings like uh, subtitles and colors and that. So that's all normal stuff. You have to do that on console as well. So like... The startup experience was really smooth. Um, there's a command. There's a combination on the keyboard you can do. I don't. I don't remember which it was. And you can bring up like the overlay for Stadia, so you can, for example, see if your friends are playing online, or if you want to uh, connect the controller and it gives you some in information about that. So like the, the system around it is also really nice, really smooth. Um, I think from a technology, and maybe you can elaborate more on it because you tried GeForce now as well. I haven't. So, like, from a technology standpoint, I think it's it's okay. It's just that that input lag is that, that slowdown or that like that difference in turning, for example, and in combat was noticeable for me. I have a two hundred megabit connection, so uh, and I tried it wired, so I don't think it's my internet connection like not being able to handle it. So it's either like that, it's the situation that we're in that's causing this. Maybe it was a lot of people trying it out. Could also be I don't know, but like. I kind of do hope they improve on it, or I hope that, for example, the 4K version on Stadia is prettier than what I got to see. Um, because, you know, the, the idea is, is it's the ultimate, it, they're selling it as the ultimate way of gaming, wherever you want, on the go. It It's supposed to be the most prettiest experience. I mean, initially I was thinking about, okay, maybe I should buy a Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia so I can enjoy it in its highest fidelity, 
but like after trying this, I'm like, you know, I'll either buy it on my PS4 or I think I'll buy it on my PC because then I'll get like the maximum fidelity because that game does look amazing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, yeah, so like I'm happy with a couple of things. I'm bummed out about other things, but maybe hopefully if we, if the world kind of starts going back to a little bit of normal, the Stadia situation will improve as well. So I definitely want to go back and try it again at some point. Um, but like from what they pulled off from a technology standpoint, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, since I have played with, I've been, I still do with, uh, GeForce now, um, I'm even going to talk about it a bit more in what we've been playing, but, um, comparing it. Yes, it is impressive how Stadia works because with GeForce now, whenever you start up a game, it boots it it first you know checks the connection speed make sure that's okay and then it goes into this virtual machine it boots up steam um sometimes if there's like a patch it will like do like an install thing where it does the patch and then it's when you get the um uh, that's when you get the game booting up okay so that can take depending on the game um about a minute, maybe a minute and a half. How is it for Kerbal? Because that's the game you played the most. For Kerbal, it's, yeah, about a minute, minute and a half. Okay. Um, so that's about the average. If you're playing it for the first time, it'll have to do the install on the virtual machine, which can take longer. If it's a game that you're playing more often, the boot time is a bit faster. Fair. Um, however, once, once that's done, that's it. It's like super smooth, works like a charm. Um, I do play on a MacBook Pro 15 inch from 2011, um, and I only play on Wi-Fi. Um, I haven't tried wired connection yet because I haven't done it yet. I could try that at a certain point. But basically what happens sometimes is I might get a spotty connection for about five seconds or two seconds, and then I can continue playing the game. Even when I'm, uh, even when I'm a bit further away from my access point, with Stadia, it works like a charm. Like you said, boots up, you're in the game. The game is starting up. It's ridiculously amazing because I was expecting a similar experience, but <laughs> it just opens in the browser like, oh wait, oh oh oh, this this is the game. Oh okay, it's already booting. Oh okay, cool, we can go. Menus run normally. So I tried this with two games on Stadia. I tried it with uh, Grid, and I tried it with um, SteamWorld Dig 2. And SteamWorld Dig 2 is a game that I own on Switch that I've already played, so I know how that works, how that's supposed to feel like, how that's supposed to respond. That's a 2D... I hate this term so much. Metroidvania game. Um... So that run that ran for the most part smooth. I had some hiccups in the connection um, that lasted about a second, maybe two. But with grid, oh my goodness, grief! I, grid was unplayable. I know. I heard like, you. Were. It was <laughs> like you were you were there you were there when I was testing it out because it was the day when it went live. I haven't tried it since. I may try it again um, when. I have time <laughs> because I'm, 
because I've been spending it on other stuff. Um, and if I feel like trying it again, um, I have two months or whatever. And it was unresponsive. Like, as in, you start the game, you start the initial um, race um, to get a feel of how the game's supposed to play. And you, I couldn't steer. Like, I can, I can go forward. But when I tried to reverse, it took three, four, sometimes even five seconds for it to register that I wanted to go in reverse. Steering does not work because it registered your steering way too late. Like as in five seconds have gone and there's, and you're still like driving into a wall. I just, it, I, maybe it was because I was playing it when everybody was finally getting on it. Maybe if I try it again sometime in the future, it'll be a bit more stable. I don't know. But that was not the experience that that I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting to maybe have some lag, but this was bad. I mean, I've played Mad Max on, on, uh, on GeForce Now, and that works like a charm. It looks good, too. You know, as long as there's no spotty connection, then it looks fantastic. Um, but ugh, it's so weird. I mean, it looked fine. Um, again, it's in 1080p, so that's the image quality that you're getting. So it's not like, you know, blowing minds or anything. But, oh, man, that lag was just... I'm sorry, but I have to lay it out as it is. It was not what I was expecting. It was worse than I was expecting. Because I was already expecting the lag to be there from what I've saw, what I saw from earlier before... Uh, late last year but this was like way worse <laughs> you know the, the, the like the the it kind of feels like they went all in on stadia until the launch and it came out and then it didn't have the impact that they kind of expected it would have and then they were like huh, okay maybe we misjudged this yeah okay we're not gonna pull pour millions into it because we already did so maybe we should just you know leave it for now as it is and kind of, you know, just see what happens. Because what I would expect from a service like this is like it comes out and you focus more on it actually than before it comes out because you're kind of in that in a process that, okay, it needs to shine. It needs to stand out and it's not standing out right now. I mean, it doesn't feel like a lot of features have been added it doesn't feel it's like still missing a lot of features. Yeah, so but like all those features that were promised before it came out, you know, it's not there or it's being gradually added. But it's not like it doesn't feel like um, they're constantly working on it to improve it and to make it better to be the best place to play. It really yeah. feels like because it's also getting like a lot of negative buzz around in, from independent developers. And I mean, like there aren't a lot of games on it. I, I read an article the other day that literally says that like. Um, Stadia is kind of like per, it's perfect for Ubisoft because they have their whole catalog on it but there's no other publisher that kind of does things on it. I mean Red Dead Redemption is on there but it's not running at 4K and it can look beautiful. I've seen videos on it running in 4K Ultra on a PC and it like looks amazing so like, Red Dead Redemption is one of those showcase titles that will show people like hey I need to get this because this is affordable and this is amazing and I can play Red Dead on the go and take it with me wherever I go. But it's not feeling like that. I'm like, 
the way it feels now is like, okay, if it might not see the end of the year and they'll pull the plug at the end of the year. And that's why the business model also sucks that you might lose all, of, all those games you bought for it. If you bought games for it. I if mean, you bought yeah, games for if, it. I mean, Which is also a thing. The games are more expensive. Yeah. But that was something like completely threw me off. I was like, okay, maybe I should buy a game. And then I looked at the prices of the game like... I'm not paying this for I'm not paying this amount for a PC game, man. I, I'd rather play GeForce now and then use my Steam library and I can get a cheap Steam game, you know. So I'm like, yeah, that, I but, think that's also the reason why you see developers pulling their games. Yeah, I mean that's such a it, I mean it's such a wasted chance. It's such it's such a shame. I mean we need things like this to push the industry forward, and then it's like a huge company like Google steps in, and then you're like, oh, okay. Here's I mean, the thing. I, here's the thing that I feel that happened with Google Stadia, because clearly we're in a period of Google Stadia's life that should have been in beta, like yeah. as in closed beta. Basically, what um, XCloud is doing, and basically what GeForce now did up until this point, you know. So, um, you're not muted, dude. Oh shit. <laughs> um. So I don't know where I don't know where to begin with. Basically, it looked like they looked at GeForce now. They looked at the progression of XCloud, and they thought, "Oh snap, we're we're falling behind. We're only now getting this stuff ready. We need to beat them to the punch so that we can say, look at these people that want our service come to our platform." Because those services are still way out. They're still doing closed betas. But we are ready to rock and roll with this stuff. And then they made lofty promises, which they obviously couldn't keep. And now they're in this position where they're essentially paying people to do the beta of it. Or they pay, they ask people to pay for the privilege to do a beta on it. And now they're only rolling out the free the free thing with two months. Luckily for those that already got it that already got the founder edition or the premium edition are also getting two free months because I can tell you right now, I'm pretty sure that those people, once the three months were up, they stopped using it right away or they were already not using it at all. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this will entice them to come back and try it anyways, but from, I'll try it again, but oof. Yeah. It's, it's such a shame. I mean, like oh, so rough. there's so much potential for this. And I, I feel like they're not get they're not using it or they're not like squeezing every drop out of it. And like maybe they should. I mean, yeah, I was expecting Origin to be available on this because it screams Origin. I mean, yeah, it's another avenue for EA to get their stuff all out. Um, I don't know. It's maybe too far fetched, but make a deal with Steam with with Valve. Get the whole Steam stuff on there. I mean, you're basically offering people a game server to rent, and if people, I mean, that's why I love the idea via GeForce Now. You can just plug in your Steam library or your Epic Game Store library or hopefully other things in the future, and then you can just play. I mean, you're you don't have and you're playing it on a MacBook for crying out loud. I mean, you can play Kerbal Space Program on a MacBook. Well, I could, but not in the in the fidelity that I yeah. was playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, that no is more so... slowdown. That was yeah. the first time I experienced no slowdown in Kerbal on my MacBook. Was so that that sold me. Like that point sold me on GeForce Now. I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, it's running so smooth. 
on occasionally the hiccup, but I, you know, that's fine for Kerbal. Um, but and it's a uh, 1080 experience, eh? because it is before it doesn't do 4K yet. But I don't. But I don't care. No, like, but I, I mean, like, uh, it's so good at 1080p. It, Imagine how great it, it would be at 4K. It works. the The point is, it works. That's the important thing for me at this yeah. point. Is that it works. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. I just boot it up, even though the boot up process is a bit longer. Even though I have to install a separate app on my MacBook, but they'll fix that. Care. You know, those are like minor things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I honestly so, hope that Stadia kind of gets a second chance because yeah. I want this to succeed. I mean. Uh, if people remember the first episode that we talked about Stadia, the first keynote they did, and I, I was I was super excited, and I'm yeah. really sad that it's not what I hoped it to be, but it can still be that. I mean, now is the perfect moment to show people like, hey, we're working on it because people are sitting at home, and now is the moment that you can get the most out of it. If the industry and the world starts to go back to a, a form of normal again. Yeah, nobody's going to talk about this, <laughs> which is a shame. I mean, again. Yeah, it is a shame. I mean, I don't know. People are already writing it off, but I think Google has way too much invested in Stadia that they're just going to write it off in a, in a year. I think right now, especially with the, how the way the world is, they have to, they're pulling some priorities other, elsewhere. So development on Stadia might slow down. Like, and like. But on tell us that. Service. See that. I mean, be honest about it. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I guess we just have to wait and see. It feels like... Stadia, we have to wait and see. It feels like... It's maybe a really bad example. But it feels like the, there's one person working on Stadia. I mean, like, so like what, what, what's happening right now is like the Second World War has ended, but there's still this guy in the bunker behind the radio relaying messages but he's not been told like, yo, dude, the war is over. We lost or we won. You don't have to relay the messages anymore. But the guy's still like behind his switchboard, plugging all those cables, relaying all those messages. And like somebody walks in and has to tell this guy, dude, the war is over, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Templar bringing the darkness, man. Dang. <laughs> Just like somebody used this example on me once and I laughed my ass off because it was really amazing. And it simply started by me asking this dude, hey, man, how are you doing? And he said, I feel like that dude in the bunker that hasn't been told that the war is over, so I'm still just patching in all the cables. <laughs> and it literally cracked me up. I'm like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> um, so yeah, Stadia guy, we're thinking about you. The war's not over. Stadia needs to become large. <laughs> Go for it. Keep on patching. Yeah. Um, oh, I, hope, I, hope, I hope they are able to turn it around because... From a conceptual standpoint, it's really interesting, and it could be a, a it could truly become a game changer. But man, this thing really needs way more time to uh, to to be in the oven. The uh, the plus side of it is, uh, which kind of segues into our next segment, is that people still want traditional consoles because of this, because it hasn't really sold us yet on oh we want to go online, so we mm -hmm. still want traditional consoles. Um, which brings up the next topic, which is something we've kind of been predicting. And there's a rumor floating around that um, Sony will, Sony has committed to bringing out the PlayStation 5 this year. They've said it again and again. And recently they've said it still because they unveiled the new controller, which is called the Dream, the DualSense controller. The Dual Sense. The, yeah, the DualSense. What are you going to call it? The Dreamcast controller? No, the DreamSense controller. I don't know why. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's called the, 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 the <laughs> yeah it's called the, the oh, i was about saying it again the dual sense controller um yeah. it looks a bit strange it looks like a crossing between a dualshock 4 and an xbox mm. controller yeah. um it's in two-tone and i know you love this because there's the internet going wild on what it could look like um but it's in two-tone so the like the the, the upper side is white and the middle is black um it kind of gives this futuristic look um it and, has and there and there are lights there are lights going around the, the touchpad yeah yeah it's kind of like one, a dude, which one dude liken it to looking like a bra a bra Oh and then he and then he posted an image on Twit uh, on his Twitter feed oh that God. someone made. Oh my God, that mock-up is freaking <sighs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like a sports bro. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, while you're cracking up there, I'm sorry. It's it uh, cool. it has USB-C. It has a built-in microphone. It has uh, the adaptive triggers, which we know. So Sony gave the example around if you rack your bow. Into Hint Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um, you will feel tension on the triggers as the bow is being racked. Or, for example, if you're driving in Gran Turismo and you're going through mud, you can feel that in the in the triggers. Um, there is a grip texture on it. The buttons are translucent. The share button is gone, and they now have the create button, which will offer a lot more options than the share button did. They yeah, um, said exactly what. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, it should house a bigger battery, so it should last longer. And the benefit of USB-C is that it will also char- charge faster because USB-C can handle a lot more power output. Um, yeah. people hopefully are... that light bar will not be draining the battery as much as the one on yeah. the frigging PS4 controller. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Jeez, that yeah. battery life is so crap. Um, they said, and I don't know in what kind of extent it's true, that the controller will be able to detect who's picking it up. So if you have like multiple people... That uh, or who's using the controller. So if you have like multiple people in your household, then it will be able to identify, for example, your wife or your kid. I think it's maybe a combination of uh, voice recognition that will just simply oh, listen good. to who you are if you have that option available, which is a cool feature. I don't think I'll use it because you know yeah, I don't want my PlayStation listening as well, and I don't want my and, PlayStation listening to me. The whole privacy thing. Yeah, I mean, like the last thing I want is to get a connect kind of peripheral from my playstation and say playstation on (laughs) Um, (laughs) and um people have also said that it kind of shows an early glimpse at what the playstation design language might be for the ps5 so that we might get like maybe two tone yeah so it might be a two-tone color like a blue light somewhere yeah or maybe like a futuristic look as long as it doesn't look like look like that dev kit i'm all fine by it um look like a flying saucer yeah, and the, the second um, rumor is a bit around that the PlayStation 5 will come out this year, but it will come out in limited quantities. Uh, well, there, are, there were some caveats in that rumor. There yeah. were some caveats in that Yeah, so basically what you were saying... Because um, we've said this. It's like we said, it's either going to be postponed or it's going to come out in limited gonna, quantities. Ex- exactly. So the caveat there in the rumor is that... Um, they're, the reason why they wanted to have it out this year is, uh, um, or they're hoping to get it out this year, is they're still sourcing the components and the cost, yeah. trying to keep it as low as possible. Yeah. Somewhere between, I think it was four, I think it was four ninety nine and five fifty nine is what the rumor said. It's not gonna happen. 
Yeah, I don't. I also don't think it's going to be three ninety nine. So what are you going to do? I think um, it's going to be four forty nine. That's what they're aiming for, according uh -oh. to the rumor. The other thing that they're also aiming for is that if they can't do that, or if Microsoft decides to postpone the um, the Series X, they're also going to postpone the PlayStation Five launch because yeah. they want to compete in that area, and if Series X is going to be delayed. Why are you going to force yourself to be first during this weird period yeah. because of what's going on and just, you know, shoot yourself in the foot, which makes sense from not only a competitive standpoint, but also from the current world situation standpoint. Um, I don't think you're going to have people that are going to prioritize getting a new console for Christmas. Um, if you're looking at, you know, John regular, I'm talking about. I'm not talking the plumber. About the I'm not talking about the diehard fanboys that would get it. Um, I'm still because I'm they'll kidding. get it exactly. Like they'll get it regardless, but they also want to, you know, get the. Are you gonna get it? I don't know. Why I do mean, you know? It, well, I don't know what I'm gonna get because again, we're in a weird time where you can't even make sense of things. Like even the other the other thing that we're going to talk about later even if something like that were to happen even i'm not sure if i would get it why because again we don't know Next what's going to happen pretty graphics better games i mean what's not to buy i don't know man at this point i'm just Are you going to get a series x i'm i'm honestly glad that geforce now is a thing that's fine. i can imagine maybe you should just buy three kingdoms on geforce now and then we can just play co-op still i'm still banking on that one getting a discount yeah well probably um there's also but, that thing yeah. about form factor that it might get a form factor such as an xbox series x because it's hard to build any everything into the traditional kind of look the the, the square boxy look they have so they might opt for a xbox series x kind of design but I think they're too far along in the design process to kind of pivot to that because the rumor says that they want to start production in June. Yeah. Which is pretty early because um, generally... I think, well, I think they'd have to if everything is super delayed now because <laughs> I'm assuming that their original roadmap did not take into account that something like this was going to happen. Yeah. So they probably were still working on the design of the console itself is just why it's been taking so long to reveal it yep and they were probably banking on having the design done at the last hour yeah because they, they in the article it said that um there was a risk of them not being able to go into production in june because of that the engineers couldn't fly out to china to do final testing and quality control and and look at the production samples so they had mm. to do that kind of remotely but they've overcome that issue right now. So um, it's looking like a June production start, which is actually nice because they, they will give them, I think the console is going to come out in November. So they will kind of give them like uh, four or five months to produce a lot of units um, and source the components as well, um, which would actually be nice. That would be nice. Because if you look at what, what other manufacturers do from, for example, for smartphone manufacturers, uh, well, Samsung always brings out like an S20 or an S phone at the beginning of the year and a Note at, at like the middle end of the year. And that those Note phones, for example, I think like that their production always starts in June and then they release it in August or September. So they're like, they have millions of units available in two, three months. 
So yeah, yeah of course, a comp console is maybe a bit more complex to to make, or maybe even easier because there are bigger parts in it in the phone. Mm. Um, but like, if you have four or five months to source your components and to manufacture, that could potentially be like you can have millions of units available for launch. Yeah. But the, the but considering how much is custom made, that means that the the component manufacturers would have to be able to um, output in the amount that Sony requires them to, so that you know the manufacturing plant can put the system together. Yeah, and that's why I think the 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 part around limited release, limited quantities is really viable. I think that. If if Microsoft is really committed to 2020, I think we're going to see the same thing for that as well. Yeah, Limited yeah. Because the, the funny thing is, is like everybody's talking about Sony, but I think Microsoft has the same issues because Microsoft has also been everybody has the same issues. Yeah, I mean, I mean even even now, like for example, the Switch was basically sold out for about a couple of weeks now. Yeah. It's only since the beginning of uh, the week that we're in. Um, the second week of April is when small amounts of switches have started to come back into sale in Japan. Yep. It's been sold out in Japan for at least almost a month now. Yeah. Insane. So it's, so as the fact that like current systems are having issues, just assume that you're going to have similar issues right now with the next gen, which is probably why they might start the production of the PlayStation 4 and me, maybe even the Xbox uh, Series X in maybe June or stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, if, like, for example, when the PS4 came out, uh, when the PS3 came out, I pre ordered it with one company and they had it. They had like loads in stock, but that's probably because of pricing at the time. When the PS4 came out, I pre ordered it at like three shops because I wanted to be sure of a, of a, of a unit. And then they all had it. And then I <laughs> I had friends of mine that wanted it. So I had to go with them to all the stores. Like, hey, I'm here to pick up my PS4. And then, yo, dude, pay for the PS4. It's yours. And <laughs> we had to do that like three or four times. So everybody would have a PS4. But like now I'm just thinking about ordering it online through a, a web shop. And if they have it, they have it. If they don't have it, I don't feel like um, like looking at all these 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 retailers to get it even though i'm super excited i just maybe it's because i'm a bit older now or something i don't know i just don't feel like putting in that immense amount of time to get it I'm like, like i'll pre-order it if i get it on day one i'll be super happy if i don't get it on day one i'll cry myself to sleep until i get it <laughs> well i'm not like, gonna overpay or i'm not gonna, gonna buy it online that charges 300 more have you, have you by the way seen like how much people are selling switches for? No, I heard like it's a hundred or two hundred bucks more than normal. Yeah, dude, it's that's insane. Like, especially if you have the uh, the Animal Crossing edition, it's going for like seven hundred bucks. It's insane. Seven hundred bucks for a system. That Why is would you do that? Only because it's only because of the the, the supply constraints. Because it's not like this. The it's not like the Animal Crossing edition is like a limited edition. It's just a different skew it's actually funny because I, I don't know why this came up but i'm looking at a switch Lite, for example is if you buy it through ball.com which is like a big retailer here oh, online store here they have it in, in stock you can get the blue one the gray one the yellow one for how much to 15 to 19 to 18 okay so that's the normal that's price, a normal right? price but i like i cannot see the normal switch 
Yeah, that's because it's sold out. Yeah, that, that one's sold out, but like the Switch Lite is available. Can you find PlayStation 4, see how much that is? Of course. PS4 is available for two ninety nine. It's a five hundred. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so they still have that for the normal price. Yeah. Okay. And the pro but if you, is. But that's but to be specific, this is again you guys for the Netherlands. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that 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 we still have them is, but I'm I'm assuming that those will still be in uh, in stock because they had probably had like a big stockpile yeah bulldog like hit, so, like yeah. yeah what about an xbox yeah that's it I, I i think you still could buy that for the normal price right you can buy an one s ter- one terabyte all digital edition for 229 okay. you can oh, buy yeah. uh wait for 239 229 oh. and then you get uh fortnite sea of thieves and minecraft and it's a one terabyte uh xbox that's so pretty good one deal. is a free game, and two are games that have already existed. Wow, that's still like I thought those things went for one ninety nine. My I when I bought my Xbox One S at the time, I bought it for one eighty five, and I got Forza Horizon with it. Yeah. I don't have a One S anymore, by the way. But uh, you know, at the time when I was uh, impulse buying shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, one X. <laughs> they have the one X for four twenty eight, and then you get uh, Gears Five with it. Yeah. I actually, saw it for two ninety nine the one X uh, at the stores. Yeah. All right. Anyways, okay, um, again, this is just the Netherlands, the Netherlands. So yeah. you know your experiences and your stocks may vary depending on which country in the Europe or in the US or wherever you are are experiencing it. Yeah. But at least for the stuff that is become very rare they go ridiculous for ridiculous prices on ebay don't buy them even on amazon i've seen um the retailers that sell their stuff through amazon they'll resell them for ridiculous prices don't buy them okay. don't buy them from that prices that is ridiculous nothing is worth the price hike that they're giving you so yeah if i buy a, um, it on amazon it's uh 385 for ps4 four. and then i get Wait, regular PS4, not a Pro? Yeah, it's a slim, and I get a terabyte, I get FIFA 20, and I get two controllers. And a normal slim is... is not in stock. Do they? Oh, of course it's not. No, it's they're giving not. other options, but it's not in stock. And <laughs> those other options are three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 that's oh. not the fact that that is out of stock already should tell you like what's up. Okay, the the Fortnite edition is three twenty nine, but they only have three in stock. So I think we should order it like right now because they only have three in stock. <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! The funny thing is nobody's talking. Nobody's talking about Fortnite since Warzone came out. I mean, like Ooh, Warzone had right. fifty million players wow, right now. Warzone has blown up. Yeah, man. I mean, I think people are just like bored with Fortnite and they're looking for something new. <laughs> obviously yeah plus you know the fidelity the shooting i do like the shooting fidelity in warzone um they had this free weekend for the multiplayer yeah and i tried playing the regular multiplayer and it's like oh oh what is this why am i dead already it's oh wait <laughs> oh right yeah oh, it's faster uh time to kill. So weird. yeah it's like way more fast paced yeah <laughs> yeah Oh, it's it's it, that was kind of jarring <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, I well, mean, they did that. It's very. And cool. imagine, did you play the, the the hardcore or the normal one? 
No, normal. I mean, like, imagine hardcore. Hardcore with a lot of weapons is just one hit kill. Yeah. Yeah. The plus side is I was able to to um, level up um, my uh, some of my loadouts. So oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah. Um, ooh, this has been a bit longer than what I, than I thought it'd be. Oh, well. So let's uh, let's do one more article. Um, you want mm, the Switch article or the Kotaku article? Or... We can I wanna, touch them. I want to I want to I want to touch on at least the, the the Kotaku one because this one is actually pretty big. Yeah, but the Switch um, one is like really fast, right? So the Switch one is really fast because it's basically so. What happened was this um, in the second in the second week of April, um, update Nintendo released something. Sorry, update ten point I believe is called. Yeah, the firmware ten point and it has a lot of really cool new features added to it. Um, you can bookmark news articles now in the news uh, in the news tab. You can, uh, for example, if you're seeing a news article about like a download code or like a special code that can unlock stuff in a game. Instead of you trying to look it up every time or making a screenshot of it or whatever, you can just bookmark it for easy access. Nice. You can also remap the button layouts. Yeah, I heard that. Like completely from from the menu up, is which is something that I know that certain PlayStation fans have been wanting for a long time, especially um, PlayStation purists that want to use uh the circle for accept and x for cancel and ah. for x for accept why that's what japanese exactly why? why because a lot of games back in the playstation one days actually yeah. did use that That'll way call it. exactly so people that are those kind of purists love the fact plus it it basically solves a part of accessibility that was missing on switch okay like you wouldn't think of it um, but um, we know a guy that has only one hand, and that means that he, I mean, he can still play games, and he plays games normally just fine, but um, like for him, it's way more easier now because he can remap the buttons to essentially be on one Joy-Con and have it work for him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for like, we, we and, tend to forget and a lot of that. and. Exactly. That's something that we forget because most people, you know, don't have, they have two hands or have certain things, which is why stuff like um, a while ago, there was this guy that used the um, adaptive controller from, from, uh, from Xbox to allow his daughter who, uh, who's in a wheelchair to play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I heard that. That was so cool. Like he, he tooled it up, he remapped everything. And it's that like that was so really cool to see when she was so happy to play Breath of the Wild and just running to the fields and like defeating enemies. That was so cool to see like that that you can bring technology together like that and have people experience the game that you're experiencing. Um, and this also helps in that regard um, for for people that have disabilities that want to play games normally. This does it on a system level. It's not on a game-by-game -game basis, system level, which is really cool. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what data miners found when they rooted in the new firmware update, which, just like when the Switch Lite was being introduced and the um, new chip, the new more efficient chip was being introduced, before those were introduced, the firmware that came before that, I think it was firmware 5, had some patch notes in it about you know new switches that weren't 
that people weren't aware of yet. So one that was gonna be uh, the Switch Lite was introduced in there. It had this specific designation, and the same thing has happened with firmware 10, where um, there are notes in there for a switch that for a switch designation that does not exist yet. It has a dual screen, nice. I heard. There is some patch notes in there about a dual screen setup, but we don't know what that is about. Oh. We don't know if it means that there's that they're working on a switch with two screens. We don't know if there's gonna be some weird dongle that you can attach to the dock that'll allow the TV to be a second screen. We don't know. All we know is that there's there that there's a potential new SKU coming because for the same thing, it could also just be that they're that the patch notes are in there, but it doesn't mean anything. It could also mean that they're using a tape modus when you hold the switch um, vertically, that they're using that as some weird dual screen solution. Oh. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be you know two separate screens. It's just that you're using the vertical um, real estate to play a game. Yeah. It's not like it's unheard of because there are games um, that support that style um thinking of stuff like ikaruga um pac-man stuff like that um you know the more arcadey games that are mm -hmm. out um they support you know the vertical layout so i think maybe that it could also be that they're doing something weird with the dock maybe they're making a new dock that takes advantage of that who knows i don't know you don't know but it is cool to speculate on these kind of things um, the one thing that we do know is that they're not chaining the, the chipset, so it's still a Tegra 1. So, um, it's, it's a Tegra 1, so don't expect the graphics on this new version to be anything, um, groundbreaking. It might be a little bit better, um, because if it's gonna power two different images at the same time, depending on how they're gonna image, they're, they're, depending on how they're gonna show it, they might have to do some reconfiguration on the chip and make it way more efficient so that it can run better. Who knows? I don't know. Um, other than that, um, there's not a lot to say about this firmware stuff. I mean, I guess it's just a matter of time. And if that is true, I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon again because of the current world situation. Um, it's also maybe because the CEO of Nintendo said that don't expect any new hardware from Nintendo this year regarding Switch. But I think, I mean, like as a CEO, you kind of want people to be surprised. So that's why you could say that. I mean, that's literally what they did last year as well. Like, don't expect new hardware. Um, well, actually, no. They said don't expect more powerful hardware, I think, last year. Yeah, because a lot of people are hoping for a Switch Pro. Yeah, like they've been hoping for a Switch Pro since the Switch came out. So. Uh, and hey, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 would be the perfect game to show off a Switch Pro. Yeah, we still have no idea what's going on with the second half of the Switch lineup. Like, we know everything up until May. No problem. Basically, the, basically, basically the last big release from Nintendo is um, the, 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 the definitive edition of xenoblade chronicles which is coming out may 25th um and that's it basically anything from that point on because end of may 
June is what, you know, the E3 time period. So that would make sense. But now we just have this big gap of nothing happening. Um, at least with Nintendo themselves, there's a lot of indie stuff that's coming out between now and then. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait until June to see what, what the second half of uh, the Switch library is going to look like. They'll probably do a direct soon, right? No, because they already did a direct. I don't think they're going to do a direct until the time of E3. Yeah, that's... at least not at least not until after they might do like a mini direct for um Xenoblade itself, but not like a general direct. I don't think we're gonna get anything more of new announcements of games until the E three time frame of like the second week of June. Okay. Yeah. And your last Kotaku article. Yeah, so just a real quick footnote. I, I kind of wish we could dive into this more, but otherwise the news segment is just going to be like an hour long again, which it almost is. Oh, I um, I'd like it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, th- again, thank you guys for listening. If, you, if you're listening so far, thank you. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Sean Tempor appreciates it. Um, so the last article that I want to cover today is um, Jason Schreier. Um, editor, uh, uh, not editor, a uh, writer for Kotaku is no longer a writer for Kotaku. He, uh, he flew the coop. Um, apparently he's one of, he's one of many people that have left Kotaku over the past year. Um, remember when we first started, we were like the thing that we were talking about the most was riot and <laughs> their whole hullabaloo. Yeah. The person that wrote those articles left last year. Oh wow! Yeah, um, uh, I forgot her name. Cecilia. Um, ah, dang it! I have to look up the article again. Um, but basically, um, about a year ago, about a year and a half, maybe, um, Kotaku's parent company got bought by a by an equity firm, and well, whenever a company gets bought off by an equity firm, that's trouble apparently, because all they want is profits, which is why, for whatever reason, sometime last year, Kotaku's website started having ads that roll automatically when you come on, ads with noise blaring out of your speakers. So when you suddenly go to Kotaku, it's just an ad that's in your face. And even the um, even the writers there were like, yeah, we're not happy with this new turnaround from our new bosses. And they got flack for that. So after that whole thing happened, people started leaving. Um, like Gita Jackson also left. Um, she used to write a lot of uh, articles about um, also also kind of in the similar vein of uh, um, the video game industry, specifically attending uh, to like a culture in the in the industry itself. Um, she left last year. Um, uh, the person that read, wrote the 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 the, the right article also left, and Jason is now leaving as well. Basically, like there a lot of people left Kotaku, like a lot of good people, like a lot of good talent left Kotaku, and Jason Schreier is like the biggest one to leave. Um, and he basically was like, even in his like farewell post on Kotaku, is he's basically saying like, uh, yeah, things were not things are not hot at 
at, at Kotaku. They, they, like the sister websites also, also the sister website have been like, been having all these weird things happen to them as well. Deadspin, um, like the new owners were like, okay, you're only allowed to talk about sports now at Deadspin. Oh and they were like, no. They were like, no. <sighs> so they got, so I think the, the, the editor in chief got fired from, from Deadspin. And when that happened, basically Deadspin bled dry and it became nothing more than a zombie website for like a really long time. And they had to rehire people. So now people, there are new articles showing up on Deadspin, but it's all stupid articles about sports. <laughs> In a time where there's basically no sports. <laughs> well, what's funny um, about that is that um, you see that a lot of um, uh, people that are in sports are kind of looking at online options. So, for example, a lot of, at least I've seen the young drivers do it, not like the old drivers. Like a lot of the young drivers are for Formula One, for example, are participating in sim racing. So uh, the other day, for example, this popular YouTuber that does a lot of racing, sim racing, uh, did a charity stream. And he had Charles Leclerc, which is Ferrari's youngest driver. He had Lando Norris, who, who was pretty big in, the, in, in for Formula One, but also like in online um, he had the brother of uh, Charles Leclerc, he had uh, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, Giovanazzi, like all these young Formula One drivers were all just doing this charity race. Um, it kind of did show that like since the cars are all equal in the online race and they don't have damage, they weren't really serious about it. So it was this part that just one car spin, uh, spun out of control and it was like a chain reaction. All cars piled up and they were just laughing and having fun. But it's cool to see that like those people are doing things for charity because they tried to raise 100,000, I believe, uh, for charity. So that's cool to see that at least people do that, at least for sports. Yeah, but but even the, like even with that stuff it's great that they're doing that um but there's like no actual sports to cover so oh, no. what like with the thing with deadspin just uh that was the similar things are happening with kotaku right now it's just going at a slower pace i'd never visit so, kotaku. the website layout is just too intense for me i cannot handle that well you can you can uh, you can thank their new bosses for that but well, I've been like this for a couple of years. Like I stopped what list of uh, reading Kotaku like a couple of years because the layout was too. It didn't make sense for me. Yeah, like I said, it's been like this for like a year and a half now or something like that. Yeah. And basically, it was like you know, I, I'm done. Like I'm gonna like I'm, I'm gonna finish my book. I'm gonna finish. Uh, I'm gonna finish that stuff, and then I'm gonna and then then I'm gonna take some time, and then I'm gonna be working somewhere else. He does have a, I don't know if people read his book. I read excerpts of his first book, The Blood, Sweat and Pixel. It's like a real cool book because it gives a lot of insight, a look into the kitchen as it is around how certain games were developed. So I believe Uncharted is in there, Uncharted 4, Destiny is in there. Um, like these really big AAA games that some of them succeeded, some of them didn't. You kind of get like a really in-depth look on what actually happened to make those games either a success or unfortunately a failure. Yeah, I mean the dude is like the dude has like his connections in the industry. Oh yeah, it's like like when like those big expose articles came out on Kotaku, it's like okay, yeah, like definitely. I mean, I don't visit like I I still visit Kotaku on 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 occasion, but it's it like lately it's been way too much fluff. 
and like oh man like look no further than the 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 article that was written over final fantasy 7 uh the uh, difficulty between i think it was easy and normal that the disparaging the disparaging between easy and normal was so big it's like well freaking duh easy is supposed to be easy normal is supposed to be normal and hard is supposed to be hard that's how games have always worked where what are you like oh man that article was so bad oh, oh, just, oh good grief <laughs> anyway um yeah uh, it's gonna be really it's gonna be sad because Kotaku is going to be exactly nothing more than a shell of its former self if this keeps going. I think, and I mentioned this offline, it's like that I think a lot of businesses or companies are starting to see that more and more games, the games industry is outgrossing music and movies combined. Um, And so like everybody's just trying to get in and they either do it by starting their own thing or by taking over existing businesses, websites, whatnot. Um, and because those companies that do the taking over are so focused on money, uh, are like yeah, we need to squeeze every drop of money out of this business the way as much as we can, not focusing on like, hey, if I, if I keep this up on the long term, I'll actually get more out of it. But it's more like, no, no, we need to bombard this stuff with ads and this and that and, and the whole shebang. And, you know, that kind of kills off, unfortunately. It, it, the one side mm-hmm. creates opportunities for new things to emerge. But at the same time, like old favorite things kind of die off because of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically it. That's all the news that is fit to play, guys. So stick around and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. Alrighty, welcome back to our second segment. What have we been playing? I'll uh, let you do the honors, Max. What have you been playing? Well, uh, I've been doing my dailies on Animal Crossing. So checking in in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening. um, Harvesting fruits, catching bugs, uh, fishing for new fish during this period of time. Um, And... I actually got into a group with uh, with a bunch of friends um, uh, that I haven't seen in a while. They all picked up, <laughs> they all picked up Animal Crossing. Oh, that's nice! And they're just enjoying the stuff out of it. They are like way hardcore into it. So they found this. Um, they found like an app where you can uh, keep track of everything, but also invite people to your island. So that they can sell their turnips because they have what they call the stock market. Okay. In turnip stocks. Oh, lol. Which is like a stock market where you buy you buy um, a certain you buy an amount of uh, turnips, what you can afford, of course, um, and you try to buy them low and sell them high, mm-hmm. and you have to keep tra- track of it. Like this dude made this algorithm um, on IO, which we've been using, where we can input basically what our turnip prices are at the morning and in the evening because in the morning the prices are one thing and in the evening they're another and it'll predict um if you're gonna have like a good like a good spike like a high spike or a low spike Mm -hmm. or if it's just gonna be in decline 
um, or like what your potential maximum cost can be. So like the maximum amount of profit that you can possibly get. And my week has been terrible. <laughs> it, it started low and it did finally go higher than what I bought it for. Um, but yeah, that's been crazy. But the, the, um, there's an app that also allows you to um, visit other people that have like really high prices, like 10, five, 10 times the, the amount that you bought them for so that you can sell it at a high price. And you can, they can, you can get the code and like stand in line, and so that you can get go to the island. You can host your island, so that if you have like a high selling price or um uh, or low buying price, they're like, hey, come and buy stocks at my place. That's actually pretty cool. Uh... It is re- like it's the the stock market. It, the stock market is something that has been in there since the original Animal Crossing, but this is the first time and it's been like super accessible. Even nice. with the DS, you'd still have to like get together and like go to forums and stuff. And but now it's like way more easier because you have apps to do that. With. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm looking it up. I'm so excited. I'm so intrigued by this. You have to look for Animal Crossing Stalk Market. S T A L K, not stock. S not S T O C K, but S T A L K. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Oh, there's like, like a lot of videos around it. It is like next le- it's it's really it's it is it's high rolling, high trading. <laughs> like my friends are like buying low and like looking for the place to sell them high. They'll buy like a million stocks <laughs> and then like sell it for like a super profit and they've been able to like pay off their houses that way. And I'm just so bad at it, so it's taking me way more time to do that. Um, the also other reason is because I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. I finished it this week. Holy crap. And um, I'm not going to do like a big overblown review on here. I'm just going to give you my feelings on playing Final Fantasy VII Remake as someone who has barely experienced the first game when it came out 33 odd years ago. So it's the so yeah, it takes place in the beginning of the game. And um, shout outs to my uh, buddy... Uh, jprof um because we what i also ended up doing um is playing the part that is based that this remake is based off of in the original game again um to just see what the difference is and the difference is like night and day because in the original game um the whole midgar section so the place that this the remake takes place in at best it's about seven eight maybe ten hours tops and i just finished final fantasy 7 remake the little around 60 hours holy crap yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going in there um so people thinking oh it's gonna be just a small game it's not um it's very pretty like it's a very pretty game and i'm playing on a uh, I'm playing on a originals PlayStation Four, not even like a slim or PlayStation Pro. I play it on the Pro, yeah. And that game looks amazing. Yep. But the thing that we that not a lot of people are talking about, and I want to bring it up here because people kind of seem to just gloss over it, is how the music in this game is not only good, but it's integrated into the scenes. It's integrated into the battles in a way that it just flows does it always flow perfectly no sometimes 
during battle it doesn't flow perfectly it the the, the system that basically warps the, the that that progressively changes the music into its different form kind of feels like it has to bend over backwards to make the transitions work but when it works it is just like an emotional roller coaster all the way through from beginning to end it's just really well composed the, the songs are great the way the the progression of the music system works it flows for the most part and uh it's just, it just it, it left me with such good vibes um but i'm going to be a bit honest here right now is that when i fin when i finally beat the game um i was really happy and then i was a bit sad because <laughs> Why? i f- because um because of because of basically where we are at right now normally um when i finish a, you know when you're norm in the normal circumstances you go out and you interact i mean now you're doing everything online but i'm not i'm not a person who is well at the online interacting stuff so i'm not a person who goes to reddit or forums or whatever um reddit still kind of confuse me as to how it works kind of <laughs> it's overwhelming me. sometimes it is overwhelming um especially someone who's not that um socially active on social media as i am um i mean i'm way more active than than maybe you because you don't even have like a twitter or an instagram but um even then like my instagram i barely post anything on there um I'll like something that I like on Twitter or whatever. I barely post stuff on my Twitter account too, which I honestly should be doing more of, including on, of course, the uh, Game Rivals Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals. Please subscribe Um, What the hell? But um, it almost feels like this this episode is brought to you by, and then insert sponsor here. (laughs) I wish we could insert sponsors, man. Dang. <laughs> we, uh, we might, we might, we might end up needing some extra cash flow after this stuff, man. Jeez. Um, but I felt a little bit sad because I felt like I couldn't properly, I couldn't properly convey my feelings of finishing the game, and the impact of the the ending. Like people that have finished the ending, like apparently there's been like this big discussion on resetera.com where people like there's a thread on the ending of final fantasy 7 remake of about 150 pages and people are just going back and forth of what the ending means and from from my perspective as someone who um has only played the game the original game about twice three times and not even to completion just little bits here and there to me, this is basically a new game to me, like in its entirety. Um, and in terms of presentation, in terms of the combat, the combat is so good, yo. Like, I'm not someone who's like, I, I'm a guy who's into RPGs. I'm not the guy who's into min-maxing in RPGs, because to me, JRPGs are more about the story, and the story here is good. But this is the first time that I've actively been respecting characters respecting me- uh, the weapons uh reslotting materia on like a constant basis um so basically the weapons the way the, the 
it works differently from the original game. So in the original game, you had weapons, you had accessories, um, and then you had uh, materials, which are the, the, the magic system. And the individual materials, so the individual spells and stuff like that, you can level them up and you can interchange them between characters as long as your weapons and accessories had slots to put them in. Now you can also level up the weapons themselves, meaning that you can re you can spec and respec your weapons to either be um, top heavy on melee attack or top heavy on magic uh, attack and magic defense stuff like that you can also have uh, you also get different weapons and those different weapons have specific loadouts in mind so for example you get um, a weapon for uh, cloud which is made specifically on uh, focusing on magic attacks so that means the buffs in that in that weapons system that you can get are mainly targeted towards having better magic. You still have stuff like increasing your attacks on that, but that weapon is not made for that specific entity. So you can craft your characters in a way that you like with the weapons that are specific to like whatever situation you have, which is a really cool thing. Like just getting in there is like, it, it's so cool. Um, <laughs> And I and now that I finished the game, hard mode has been unlocked. Um, chapter selection has been unlocked, so I can play in whatever order I want, and I can play in hard mode if I want. But considering from what I've heard, it's like ridiculously challenging. So it may not be for the faint of heart uh, once you beat the game. Um, but again, it's all up to you. Um, but if you are, are a completionist, be advised that hard mode is truly a challenge which is what hard mode is supposed to be um <laughs> it's why it's called hard mode exactly so you know don't be a wimp and be like oh it's too hard there's too much difference between easy and hard that's how it's supposed to work people so uh yeah that's basically uh my that's uh, maybe i'll do a more in-depth thing about final fantasy once i've started playing hard mode um but that's basically how I, if uh, we don't do scores here, I don't really believe in like scores. I believe more in conveying how a game is like. I think that's a way better representation of what a, like how a game is. But if I were to give it this game a score, it'd probably be an 8.5 more edging towards a 9. Okay. There are still a few things that kind of, uh, like, the game is big, but it's also big because everything is modeled out. And you have to, for the biggest part of the game, you have to walk everywhere. There's no fast travel system until, like, way late in the game. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's kind of pointless. Um, especially if you've been playing, if you've been playing the game, like, min-maxing all your characters and stuff. At, when you get to that point, it's kind of pointless to have a fast travel system. Um, but there you go. Um, the, the graphics here and there can be kind of weird. I saw like that, very, yeah. Like Ground very texture and stuff like that. Some, 
not just ground textures, but like also a door that just is not red. That seems like it's supposed to render a higher texture out, but it's not. Okay. It just looks super freaking weird. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 parts that look good look really good, and the parts that don't look good are not significant stuff. They'll probably um, do a next gen ultimate edition, and then you know maybe, but. You know, this is the first part of I don't know how many parts, but yeah, it's it, it is a good game. Like if you're a, if you're a JRPG fan, if you've played Final Fantasy VII back in the day or not, if you've played the remastered version on newer consoles or not, it doesn't matter. If you're a JRPG fan, this is something that you definitely should not overlook. There. Nice. So, what have you been playing? Well, I haven't played that. Been uh, <clears throat> so wow. <laughs> I haven't been playing a lot. Um, I've played a lot of Warzone with friends of mine. Uh, like every night, a couple of hours, maybe two hours, two three hours, maybe. is is hilarious. It's really fun. Um, for some reason, we we like really get close to the end of the game and then we die. Right. Um, yeah, but it's it's like really fun, you know. Um, we're constantly trying out new areas to go to and constantly trying to figure out new weapons to use. I'm using a lot of uh, thermal weapons so I can see people from their body temperatures in the distance already. Um, Yeah, I mean, Warzone has been kind of this unexpected success. It has over 50 million players in the short while that's been out, which is really cool. Um, They're also constantly adding new modes. So they, for example, added... Uh, in the latest verse, season three kicked off, I think last week. For are your uh, seasons co- like monthly? Um, their seasons are really short. I don't know if it's monthly because Modern Warfare came out in November, I think, and we're in season three right now. Yeah, but I feel like season two wasn't too long ago. Yeah, it could be. I think I, I actually don't know. Well, like it could be like maybe a month or something, maybe a little because bit longer. I think season two started when. I think season two started when Warzone came out, right? Mm, no, was season two, when season two came out, they teased Warzone, and I think like two or three weeks into season two, they finally released Warzone. And we're now already into because Warzone came out like what a month ago, and we're already into season three. Yeah, three weeks ago, I think two, three weeks, or maybe a month. Season, yeah, I think I, it's been a month, man. Yeah, so like it's, it's, it's like it came out before. Um, it came out before the Netherlands started implementing like um, quarantine. Quarantine. Yes. So that 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 has been that has been almost a month now. Yeah. Well, at 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 the time of recording, it's been uh, it's been a month. At the time of recording. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. So they've season three kicked off last week, I think, and they've added uh, for initially you only had uh, three trios and uh, singles, so they've added. Quad, so you can play up with four people now in Warzone. In Warzone? Oh, yeah. snap. Okay. Yeah, and they've also added a mode that you can only use snipers and shotguns. I never liked those. Um, mm. They constantly revolve the amount of weapons you gather. So uh, the, the, like the, for example, the, the previous rotation of weapons was around, um, around pistols and shotguns, and now it's a lot more around assault rifles lmgs and also a lot more rare weapons so you get a lot more rare like legendary weapons or high-end weapons 
yeah, which are really useful. Loadout, right? Yeah, so like normally you can do like a loadout drop. Loadout drops have also become more expensive. So first they were around six, seven thousand dollars, then it became eight and a half thousand dollars, now it's ten thousand dollars. Yeah, but I mean, like because of the improved loot you get from the loot boxes and loadout drops, the game generates itself. So like the game also every once in a while does a loadout drop. You're not that reliant on the, the loadout drops that you have yeah, to but, buy. Yeah, but the thing that the thing that I the thing the thing that I realized recently because they had this uh, free weekend for the regular multiplayer is that if you do the like if you do just like a few matches of regular multiplayer. Your the weapons in your in your loadout level up like way faster than they will ever do in Warzone. Yeah. Unless you play like a lot of Warzone and or the and, blood money and hope uh, and or blood money or and hope that you get killed. You, you get you get kills and you get kills often with the weapons that you like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I started playing Modern Warfare like from day one, I don't have an issue. But if you like step into it later, a friend of ours who only downloaded Warzone. Uh, he's been playing it for like a week and then he bought the full version just a couple of days ago that he was walking into that issue about uh, not having enough guns or not having the right guns um it's funny that guy's crazy because i've had instances in which we were in a small house and then i would say oh somebody's coming up the stairs and i would start firing and before i know it, that person would be dead because he fired a bazooka at that person and kind of <laughs> obliterated that person i was like holy shit what the heck what just happened and i was like oh yeah i just used my bazooka man i'm like oh wow okay cool yeah so it, it has it has really funny moments in it um i mean we're, we'll probably be playing it tonight as well uh, I really, I usually get a text message saying COD question mark. <laughs> then I know it's game time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it sometimes gets to the point that we're just, you know, you, what I always see with FPS games is, is it's kind of like uh, you're a diesel train. So you have to get into it, but sometimes you peak early. So like it's done. And no matter what you do, you, I don't have any more left. And then kind of just all, everything goes bad. And we had one of those moments the other day. And then we just started mimicking the characters and saying what the character says. So one of the characters has like this really monotone voice. And then when you ping something, it says, found an LMG, found an SMG. I got an armor plate here. So we're constantly like saying that over voice, voice chat to each other. Found an LMG, found an LMG. Oh, look, an SMG. And we're constantly doing that. And a friend of mine's girlfriend was like saying like that we were crazy and acting strange and weird. And we're like, yeah, okay. We just have to make do with what we have. We're stuck inside. Um, but, but yeah, I would recommend Warzone. It's really fun. I mean, it can get really chaotic. Um, we coach each other when we're in the gulag. So multiple people go into the gulag in our squad. We're like, okay, okay, I need you to coach me. And then like one is looking from the side. Okay, he's on your left. He's on your left. Oh, he's on your right. And sometimes you're lucky and you get the guy. Sometimes you don't. We had an instance in which one of us was in the gulag and three of us were coaching him and he still managed to get killed. And I was like, okay, you're the worst Call of Duty player ever. I mean, there's <laughs> eight eyes in this looking at where that guy is and you still managed to die. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just fun, plain old fun, you know? Yeah. I would recommend it. And the other game I've been playing, I wanted to play, uh, Total War Three Kingdoms, start a new campaign, but for some reason, um, update one five one came out was, which was a hotfix. They reverted the hotfix. And because I had safe games made on one five one, the game said that my save was corrupt or so or was unstable, no. so I can't use my new saves. Yeah, and it was pretty far along in a campaign. 
So oh. I thought like, okay, let me just start a new campaign. And then like 10 minutes into that new campaign, I'm like, I don't want to start a new campaign. I want to finish the campaign I already had. So I kind of left it at that. Um, but I've been playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint. I bought the game like a couple of months ago for 30 euros, but I haven't touched it because I wanted it to get a lot of patches so it would get better because it didn't get the best reception. Um, what they did is, is they added something recently called the Ghost Experience. So you can customize your play experience. So you can, for example, the game from the start has gear score in it. Um, so you have like rare uh, r levels of rarity for your weapons and armor and stuff like that. If you want, you can turn that off. So it becomes like a regular realism shooter. So you, you can only pick up weapons you find out in the field, for example, or you can make it the enemy smarter or harder, or you can make um, like your health, you can adjust that, say, okay, I want the option to heal less, or I want more options to heal. So you can kind of customize your own play experience, which is really nice. Um, it, I don't know, but I, I played Wildlands and I really liked it, but this feels a lot more stiffer compared to Wildlands. So there's, for example, no AI team buddies in there because that was one of the things that was really nice in Wildlands. It's not in there. They kind of expect people to co-op the hell out of it, but not a lot of people either did that or are happy with that. So they're working on adding AI teammates as a downloadable option as an, in an update, but it's still not there. So you're constantly alone out there and it feels sluggish. I don't know why, but like, wildlands felt so smooth and because this is so sluggish and like a simple example is driving in a car it felt really nice in wildlands and here it just feels so so stiff you know like if you want to swing your car over the road it doesn't do that and like it kind of turned me off i'm like you know i played like two hours and then i stopped playing it because i'm like i don't i'm not in the right mood right now to, to deal with this so i kind of hope to bring out some more updates um a friend of ours, uh, Gizmo, was on the show who sent us a, a message a couple, like last week or something. Said he was playing Horizon Zero New Horizon Zero Dawn. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll download Horizon Zero Dawn and try New Game Plus. So I haven't started yet, but I've downloaded it. Um, but I'm yeah. uh, our, our our guest from uh, from the previous episode, Negative. He also bought. Uh, oh, he Horizon did. Zero. Yeah, he did. Yeah, nice. Has he shared initial thoughts around the game? Not yet, but that's also because we've been training in Brawlhalla. Ah, okay. Um, he set up a tournament uh, uh, where we can win fabulous prizes. Oh, that's nice. What's so, the, the biggest prize you can win? The biggest prize you can win depends on two things. So either you get the full roster if you're just playing, because it's a free-to-play game and you can buy like the full roster, um, but you can also just play whatever the weekly rotation of characters is. Um, but if you already have all the characters, you get 20 euros of credit for in the game. Oh, that's nice. That you can buy crossover characters. And let me tell you, crossover characters are not cheap in Brawlhalla. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, the, cool thing in, the cool thing is, is that even if you don't have the crossover characters, you can try them out in the, um, uh, in the, in the training mode. Yeah. And they're and basically what I learned is that all these crossover characters are just essentially skins of character types that already exist. Yeah. And one of the characters that I wanna that I wanna get, Stavani, is from Steven Universe, is um is one of my main characters that I'm playing as. It's called Val. Um she basically you have two different weapon types that each character uses and 
they're all different combinations. And my character uses um, knuckles, so gloves, mm-hmm. and sword, which is like super sweet. Um, and the character Stavani uses that same layout. Oh, that's so nice. I can get that character. It's basically I don't have to learn anything new because the layout is the same and the um, character stats are the same. It's just that it has this sweet Steven Universe skin over it. That's and pretty I smooth. And I, I tried it out a bit and like it's so cool. I want that so much. Nice. So now I'm like with my with my um, tag team partner, we're uh, we're like practicing almost every evening, like at least <laughs> at least an hour or two. And since it's been a long time since I played um, uh, Brawlhalla, it took me a long time to get a character. So now I'm just trying to perfect that and like get better at spacing and attacking and stuff like that. So I've been playing that. I've been playing that on my MacBook Pro via GeForce Now. And does it work? It works, but I also realized something that's really annoying. So I may have to start playing through Ethernet, especially when the tournament day comes around. Is that every once in a while, as I said before in the previous segment, there is the 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 connection gets spotty, and I've had it happen a few times yesterday, where it just froze on me for oh. like five seconds, and then when it returned. I lost. Yeah, oh shit. Luckily, this was just during my solo training, so it's not the end of the world. But I can imagine that happening during the actual tournament and my tournament partner being very upset with me. <laughs> so, I'm, so, so I'm going to try working with Ethernet and see if the spotty connection is still a thing. Um, if that's the case, then I may have to switch to playing on my PCs for stability's sake or see if i can actually install this thing on my macbook and if it works as smoothly because it's a 2d game so it shouldn't mm. be if if there's, a, if, there, if, if there's a if there's a um um if it's if i can also install it on mac then that should be fine i don't know if i can install it on mac i haven't checked yet okay so nice good yeah. to know so that's yeah i forgot that one I, I wanted to bring that one up specifically and i know that if i didn't negative would be listening to this episode and would be why didn't you talk about <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and zeno gears <laughs> oh zeno gears yeah yeah so, so, i'm thinking about do, doing a, a new game plus for horizon but i'm not i don't know yet just have to do it, do it. yeah do i'm it. thinking you know i really love the game I mean, it's it's still one of the prettiest games I've played on my PlayStation. I want to like, see. I want to. I want to see if New Game Plus, um, like how big a difference it is, and considering that it's been a while for you since you played the game, how rediscovering the game on New Game Plus is for you. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking about maybe doing like a video around it, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Cool. That's it. Uh, stick around. We'll be back with what uh, hidden gems. <laughs> We'll be right back. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with our hidden gems. (laughs) Oh my god. Sean Templar, what is your hidden gem? My hidden gem is a game a lot of people probably know but maybe never actually played a lot or maybe have kind of lost sight of because that's what what I'm one of them. Um, My hidden gem is the remake, I'll call it the reboot of Tomb Raider. 
a couple of years ago, um, Crystal Dynamics, which is, I think, the original company that made Tomb Raider on the PS1. Uh, no, that was IDOS. Um, uh, Core. Oh. Um, Crystal Dynamics, in this case, then. <laughs> Crystal Dynamics took over when they did the, uh, the, the first reboot back in the playstation 3 days ah yeah so, so the funny thing is is i was never actually a tomb raider fan of from starting from the ps1 till actually this reboot because uh i don't know i never got really into the puzzling and all that stuff i just didn't have the patience for it and then um a couple of years ago uncharted came out and i just loved uncharted because it was like a roller coaster ride um and then tomb raider came out in 2013 and I played it on the PC at the time, um, and it, it was it kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't know what I was getting into, so I thought, like, you know what, let me just try this. And we heard a lot of people talk about it; it was really enthusiastic. Um, and it's maybe a bad comparison to make, but it, was, it basically felt like a different version of Uncharted for me, which I really liked. Um, the game is set on an island, uh, Yamatai, it's called. So what happens is is you're a young Lara Croft. You're not actually like the Tomb Raider full-blown character yet. You're kind of like, it's kind of like an origin story to put it that way. Um, and something's happened with your father and it's leading you to this island of Yamatai, which is this ancient Japanese island, uh, which has a, a sort of queen, a sun queen that a lot of people have worshipped and that they have sacrificed their life for. And it's kind of a bit freaky and strange and intriguing at the same time. And then you get shipwrecked on the island with your exploration group. So you're not all alone. You have all other characters in the game as well that you at least see and talk to. Um, and then you kind of try to first, um, you know, survive and kind of find weapons and solve smaller puzzles until you find out that there's a population living on the island and there is another faction on the island as well trying to find the sun queen because she possesses some ancient relic they want to harness and you know your typical evil organization want to control the world plot um of course yeah it i don't know if it's fair to compare it to a kind of open world game but it's not like a linear game. You can go whatever you want on the island. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty linear story from like what you have to do. Uh, but there are like main missions and side missions and you can go wherever you want and complete them in whichever order because you can, for example, run into an area and you don't have the proper tools and you can, if you get the tools later on, go back and retry that area again. Um, there are a lot of tools in the game. So you start out with a bow and there's also some guns in it. I preferred like there's a stealth mechanic in the game and I really tried to play it as much as stealthy and with the bow as I could. That just really, you know, I like that playstyle for that game. Normally I'm kind of the Rambo guy, but in this case I liked it. Um, there's also a pretty extensive upgrade system in the game. You can upgrade your, your skills and you can upgrade your weapons and, and your bow. So it's pretty, for a reboot, it's pretty nice and extensive. And I remember at the time... Um, they used a new technique on her hair. It was called Trez FX, I believe. It was a new technology from AMD. So her hair, for example, was it was amazing. Like you would just run around and you would see all that hair of hers go all sides. And it like looked like individual hair pieces instead of like a static 
hair model. So that was really cool. It was a bit like shiny. And then it, it, it became eventually normal in games. Like when you entered the water, for example, you could see that your clothes were wet or that your hair was wet. But it was like one of those first games that actually impressed like with a hair model. I remember that that was one of those things that really stood out to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really funny to talk about hair in a game. Um, they did end up doing sequels. So they made two sequels after that, Rise of the Tomb Raider, which came out in 2015. And they also did Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which came out in 2018. Um, I played Rise of the Tomb Raider and also finished that one. Um, it was also cool. It was a bit more action-oriented. Um, it did have a similar structure that it was on an island. Uh, in this case, it was with uh, an old Soviet faction having been on the island. Um, so you could kind of see like Soviet remnants on it, which was really cool. And then Shadow of the Tomb Raider is more set in South America, I believe. Um, I haven't finished that one yet. I bought it a while back. I played a couple of hours. Um, still intend to finish it. I just gave it to a friend, lend it to him so he could play something in this quarantine. So I think when I'll get it back from him, I'll start playing this. Um, eventually, the franchise also moved over to the, the current-gen consoles because it started out on the PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. And then it got a remastered version for the current-gen consoles. And from there on, they did all the games on this generation. Games also available on Stadia. Um, what's fun... Funny to see is what cool is that, for example, when Rise of the Tomb Raider was available, it was around the time that those uh, mid-cycle refresh consoles came out, so the PS4 Pro and the One X. And then, for example, in um, in uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, they had a lot of options for uh, harnessing the extra power of the PlayStation 4 Pro. So you could say, okay, I want uh, 4K uh, and the 30 FPS, or I want... Um, higher fps or i want a uh, checkerboard 4k and what like a lot of options you could choose from to kind of determine your visual experience and they also ended up supporting playstation vr with a separate vr experience in which you could explore uh, croft manor which is like the big ass mansion uh, laura croft lives in um but yeah definitely i mean the game's also been a couple of times on ps plus you could get it for free i think i have the remastered version i got it through ps plus i think um, is like a really cheap game you can buy probably now. Um, if you can get it, if you want to try something really new and, and sink some hours into it, just get it. You won't regret it. It's a really cool and fun game. Yeah, totally agree. I played a little bit on my uh, PC back in the day. Um, it was really fun, except that my PC wasn't that strong, so it didn't look the best and it didn't run as smooth. <laughs> um but it ran fine enough when I'd lowered, lowered enough of the stats and stuff like that. So it is a really cool game, and it is something that I really want to try and finish again. But I kind of wish that Square Enix supported GeForce now so that I could do it through that. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, it would also be nice to play other stuff on GeForce now that way, but eh. Can't have it all. You can't have it all. Um, what we can have is the next hidden gem, which is the one I'm repping this week. And that is FTL faster than light. Now, I've talked about this during our uh, year in decade review. Like I touched upon it briefly. And FTL is basically what you would get if you took the um, if you took if you took Star Trek and you made it into more of a battle sim. And it focused more on 
that aspect um the whole ship this whole ship command stuff um managing your ship managing your crew all the while trying to outrun this um uh, infestation like alien infestation thing that's trying to gobble up the whole universe so you're basically going you're hopping from star system to star system um, you'll run across pirates who will immediately start attacking you you'll run across drones that are patrolling the area that are hostile towards anything that's from outside the solar system um, you can even like battles don't necessarily have to end up in one destroying the other sometimes what will happen is you'll be in combat with a with a pirate vessel and they'll you'll damage them so much that they can't move or can't shoot anymore and they'll be like please don't don't destroy us we'll give, we'll give you some resources if you don't and you can either choose to take the resources and leave them alone which if you choose that option you can't shoot them anymore you just have oh, to, that's go to, too the bad. Next, to the next point in the map or you can just say, you know what? No, you put me through a bunch. I almost lost this valuable crew member. You disabled my engine and now I have to spend the whole time fixing it. No, you're going down. Your health is low and I'm going to blow you into smithereens and I'm going to gather what's left and I'm going to use that to fix my ship and go to the next star system. <laughs> I would always to blow to smithereens part. I mean... I that's kind of what I figured you'd say. <laughs> I mean, come but on. It, but the thing is, it's randomly generated. So every time that you play, it's different. Um, every time you start off, it's um, the only thing that's constant is the starting point of your ship. So basically, you do revert back to um, you do revert back to the start. So you have to build stuff out again, but you do have like a base that you can expand that's permanent. And basically the whole point is to replay, um, whenever you get defeated, replay again, take different paths, that gets regenerated as well. And the point is to get to the end so that you can defeat the um, the, uh, the the alien invasion that's trying to encroach upon the whole galaxy. Mm. Sounds interesting. So it's really cool, it's really fun. Um, I mean, it's if you don't need like a super powerful PC to play it on. I've tried it on GeForce now; it works swimmingly. Um, but like my experience with uh, um, Brawlhalla, do take into account that if you have a Wi-Fi connection that has just body connection now and then, um, you might want to use an Ethernet uh, connection to play through GeForce now. But if you can, but again, like I said, it's not that ridiculously powerful of a. Uh, you know, resource hog of a game. You can just download it on any PC, and I think you can also download it on Mac and just play it. It's fun. Like if you if you need something that is a bit more challenging, and at at least with every playthrough is different, um, go for faster than light. Like FTL, FTL will be your jam if you're trying to min max stuff and just be like the captain of your ship and spec it out with like the best crew and the best upgrades um so that you can eventually buy like a better ship and like do a better time at it so. <laughs> yeah i mean it's so cool like you can eventually upgrade your ship to have drones so you can have 
you can have people you can have crew members but you can also have drones who do stuff like take care of the the engine who take care of the weapon system who take care of the oxygen system um, because you have oxygen system if you if you have like a whole blowout um vacuum comes into the vacuum comes into the the spaceship and you know if all the blast doors are broken your your crew suff suffocates and dies and the ship blows up of course um but that's the cool thing about having drones they don't require breathing so they can go into areas that are vacuum and they can fix the blast doors there so that you can close them um or fix the of earth there's a fire um they'll last longer in a fire and turn and like uh, close it out but you can also open the blast doors all the way to like the compartment that has the fire so that the the vacuum just literally sucks out all the oxygen and the fire goes out that way it's very brilliant i've seen it online a couple of times i've always wondered like hmm, should i play this or not but since i'm hearing like, this considering that you're play that you play like Total War. I think this would be up your alley. Okay, I love. I like the art style. At the very least, it's. I don't think it's that expensive. Um, if I check it right now, um, just FPL. Uh, it's ten bucks. Oh, it's ten bucks. Pick it up if you if you if you own a computer. Um, if you own a PC, you can pick it up. It, you can play it on Mac OS. You can play it on Steam OS. It barely needs anything to run it. So if you want something to distract you during this time and you want something small, cheap, and easy to get, get it on Steam, play it. You'll have a blast of a time. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So with that, we are done for this week's episode. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can, as always, find us on any podcasting uh, outlet that is out there you can find us on our home anchor you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can find us on google Podcasts, stitcher spotify spotify out outcast uh overcast Podcast, overcast or wherever you download your podcast from you can uh always uh, send us feedback uh to our email which is at gmail uh which is uh <laughs> game rivals feedback at gmail.com you can also give us feedback once again on Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. You can talk to me on Twitter, which is at Maximilian. You can um, also leave us a voice message. The link will be in the description of the podcast. You don't need to make an anchor account for this. You can just click on the link and record a message. It could be a question. We hope that you have questions for us. Um, about the industry or about what we think of a certain game maybe we have mentioned it before maybe it's a game that we haven't mentioned before but we have played um, just hit us up uh, either through the email as i said before or through a voice message um, or leave a message you know of encouragement because we love those as well um, you can also Find us on Instagram, where I try and make sure that people are aware of the new episode that goes up there. I'll also um, be posting some questions uh, on Instagram. So if you're following us on Instagram, which is at Game Rivals, um, be on the lookout for one of our stories one of these days, which will um, ask some, uh, will which will open up uh, and ask us anything. 
So you can do that for like 24 hours and we can uh, react to that as well. So um, I think I covered everything. Uh, anything you want to add, Sean Templar? Uh, you basically touched on any, everything I wanted to mention. So thank you for that. Cool. So um, again, uh, thank you guys so much for listening, even during these times. Um, we hope you all stay safe, do whatever it needs to do so that we can beat this thing so that we can go to some level of normalcy and so that uh, Sean Templer doesn't have to cry when they eventually delay the PlayStation 5 launch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Once again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to shout us out to to your friends. Um, Let them know that we are out here and from me, Sean Templer, uh, Sean Templer, oh my goodness. From me, Maximilian X. Uh, blah, and I'm Sean Templer. <laughs> wow, we flubbed that one, didn't uh, we? I got a, somebody sent me a message. I'm like, oh crap, my phone's out on silent. And then I start to read the message. I'm like, oh no, I'm still recording this. <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, from the both of us, uh, from our uh, quarantine spaces, we wish you uh, happy times. Thanks for listening. And, stay safe. Uh, stay healthy. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Again. And uh, see you guys next time.